Welcome back to Leading with Joy. And in today's episode, we'll explore the intricate interplay between creativity and the pursuit of joy. And joining us for a conversation on this is Katja Fonseca, an exceptional individual who embodies the spirit of human-centered design. Katja is such an amazing human, a global design leader dedicated to creating well-being for humanity, uh, which is especially evident in her work with international clinical trials at F. Hoffman La Roche, a Swiss healthcare firm. We'll explore what sets joy apart from happiness, how the two emotions compare and contrast at their very essence. We'll journey back in time drawing inspiration from the iconic Matisse, understanding his masterpieces in the light of joy. And then we'll fast forward to the present to demystify the process of designing for joy in the fast-paced landscape of the Web 3.0 era across personal and professional spheres. Uh, the delicate balance of joy and vulnerability will be explored as well, shedding light on the importance of emotional authenticity. Uh, we'll touch on how to best navigate days marked by low energy, and Katya will share her strategies there. So lots and lots of practical wisdom today. And if it resonates with you, please do subscribe, share, and rate our podcast. Your feedback is invaluable. Uh, so don't hesitate to drop a comment, and thank you for joining us on this journey. It gives me an absolute pleasure to welcome to Leading with Joy, Katia Fonseca. Thank you, Marty. It's a pleasure. It's just a continuation of the many wonderful conversations that we have been having on the topic. And for everyone listening, uh, I just wanted to give a little bit of background. Um, Katia and I were catching up last Friday, was it? Yeah. Yeah, it was last. It was last Friday, and I don't know what we started talking about. It was just, just, just so beautiful, beautifully inspiring. It, there was just so much flow to the conversation. That I said, I, I wish we were recording this. Yeah, that's how we <laughs> end up here. <laughs> uh, so, what is joy to you? Yeah, after our last conversation, I was actually debating about it. How do I define joy? When I look in the dictionary, actually, I did that because I was like, okay, what does it mean? And it mentions happiness, but I think for me, joy is different because it's more this state of flow, of, of inspiration, and it can be small. When we speak about happiness, we look at big things. That person is a happy person or unhappy. Joy is something... For me, much smaller, much subtle, much more gut feeling, where you can actually physically notice it in your body. And in that moment, you know it. It's a joyful moment. It doesn't mean that two seconds later, it's going to be the same, but that particular moment. So that's kind of how I feel about joy. Uh, I really separate it from the happiness, heaviness of, of the word happiness with joy, a much shorter uh, version of that. Have you experienced joy recently? You can maybe illustrate to our listeners. Yeah, I mean, definitely. One of the things that brings me the most joy and that's something we connect with is, you know, when doing workshops or when working with teams and, and connecting with people where you really have this feeling that 
the sum is more than the parts, that what you achieve was more than just, you know, a bunch of people like saying and, and listening to things. It's just like where you get to the next level. Um, I always find joy when that, you know, exchange of, of perspectives takes you to the next level. It's like when you think about abstract painting or, or collage, it's like you're looking at it and you, you know, you're sure what you're looking at. Someone else comes in, just flips it around or just looks at the same and sees a completely different thing. Suddenly, your brain is actually looking at it and seeing a different thing. So, you know what I mean? It's this extra energy that you get from. So I have um, experienced that recently, and it's, it's very fulfilling. I remember you have a great exercise. You talk about the painting as a way of instigating uh, someone's creating process. Would you mind bring that, that up? Yeah, I mean, Matisse, when he was actually in the south of France, he, he would spend his summers there and then he would just have this amazing view from his window. You know, blue skies, sunshine, blue ocean, and so really bright colors. And after the, the war, um, Matisse returned to the same spot, exactly the same spot. And then when he looked through the same window, he actually painted the same perspective, sitting from the same place, a very dark, you know, almost like black and, and gray uh, view. And so when you have it side by side, it's the same window, the same perspective. But he was, you know, so much was going on inside his emotions and his perspective and what life and the context he was in. So he was looking at the same view in a very completely different uh, outcome. Uh, and that's so revealing because I think we all sometimes forget that we perceive things so differently. Any thoughts on how you would ask our listeners to consider creativity and arts in designing for the era of um, hybrid collective intelligence. I mean, it's interesting that you put together the word joy and design, right? Because so often, and, and maybe our audience may be thinking about it too, so often we are building or, or things or designing things, but we are not thinking about that part of designing for joy. Right. And I mean, if you think about architects, if you think about spaces where we live, our communities, the green spaces we have or not have, everything we do, it's, you know, the way we have our coffee in the morning, right? So just the fact that the, the, the brewing of the coffee gives this wonderful, you know, sense of smell that brings so much joy. Everything can be designed and um, thought through uh, for joy, to, to, to lead with joy and design with joy. But I think we are in that state of mind, a bit of autopilot. And I think it's all of us, um, you know, just so 
so much stimuli to do it faster uh, and more that we forget at the end who is the end user for the same with culture when we when the way we bring our behaviors and our connection to others being at work being at home being in the society um i always remember this trip to copenhagen where some areas the architects because there was a lot of immigrants different immigrants from different parts of the world the architects took the time to talk with um the people living in those areas to understand what their playground should look like based on the background of the families living in that particular area so it's really designing for joy but with purpose and maybe we all i mean all of us uh, and uh, you know i invite uh, all of us to think is like what was the last time you did something where you really put that purpose of designing for for joy either yours or or the end user whoever that might be what are some other ones that you would um consider as important in considering what goes into designing for joy i mean active listening really just not passive listening but you you are actually trying to understand empathizing you know who is going to use it what are the values our perception of things um what brings you joy might not bring to others right so particularly when you are designing in a collaboration or to others really take the time to understand what are their needs um you know we were so much in that flow of i know what they need because i think those are my assumptions and we all have been there because you know a lot of times for the sake of time what inspired you to get on the professional journey uh where you are today i think it's always like you know a scientist is always a scientist it's it's really uh always asking questions curiosity and um learning along the way um whatever you are doing um you know uh, trying to always bring the best of whoever you have uh with you and whoever is your your uh, the people you are building or designing for and i think that applies really to this sense of not only bring joy in the me alone but the we uh, and that joy can really be incorporated on the day to day one of the things that you observe or i observe the most and maybe uh, some of our listeners might feel the same is that we, we are constantly just um separating our private life with 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 you know where we can find joy and our professional life where it could be serious and and you know it's like all these these two separate worlds that ends up uh, and you see the consequences can be quite negative if we separate those worlds into the one i have to be this way and the other so what i'm hearing joy is personal but uh, at the same time joy is personal yet inclusive 
very inclusive. Connect, connect. Have you come across situations in which people just didn't appreciate the sort of joy that you would bring to the room? Oh, absolutely. I, I think that the most fun thing to do is to observe people when you actually, for example, have a joyful moment of being able to make fun of yourself, something you've done or in the moment. You know, uh, I think people sometimes, are, it, it's a bit scary because, again, our brain just distinguishes and separates you know, now I have to be serious and I have to behave in a certain way. Um, and then maybe over the weekend, I can have all these joyful moments, right? So it, it I think it's just um, can be a bit putting people in a, in a very awkward uh, moment of feeling, why, why, why is she being like that? Um, but it just expands actually the opportunity to bring people and see the value once they actually start to see. And again, we come back to psychological safety and trust um, where the joy cannot happen without that. And we have discussed it also in the past. Can, can you can you actually build on that? Because it's fascinating. I, I love to bring, um, you know, human psychology into... Uh... It's more of, of observation where... Um, you know, you realize that, of course, we, we all make assumptions about uh, based on a first contact with someone, right? But one of the things that I believe we have a lot in our society is this assumption that, oh, that person must be really knowledgeable because they bring so much confidence and a strong voice and the posture and they speak a bit louder than the rest and with conviction, right? And it's seriousness. Um, I mean, a lot of uh, sometimes advertisements you see, uh, you know, when it's something that uh, comes from this authority figure, you have this. Um, and then, and, and joy is supposed to be a soft skill where, you, you know, you bring it home to your family, to your kids, but, you know, please, you know, just make sure it's, it's kind of, or in the parties, or in the end of the it year parties, there, it stays right? there, that's right? That's it stays. You can do all you want with it, but it, you uh, keep it there. And, yes. and that's where, you know, uh, the my idea of bringing also the topic and working on the topic from surviving to thriving, right? Mm. Because again, it's all connected. You need to have joy and joy is not just making fun and playing around, but it's playing with a purpose. It's a joyful purpose to work together, to collaborate. Um, and I think that's, you know, we all see it. We all recognize it. Yeah, to your points, well, we keep it at home. Yeah. We keep it where it's safe. We, we keep it where it doesn't conflict with the perception of um, how we are expected to act, how we're expected to react to situations. And when you start embodying joy, um, putting on a uh, you're not putting on a persona. You, you, you know, it's your authentic, your authentic self yeah. um, shines. Um, you know, people's reaction. Yeah, you know, and how they. Yeah, and and that's maybe the point you mentioned now. Kind of 
brings me to the the fact that maybe it's a vulnerability, right? Because that authenticity, I mean, joy is, is also something very personal. So, so you bring a bit of that vulnerability when people know what brings you joy and how to bring joy. So maybe it's that point of authenticity, but vulnerability that we compartmentalize because it's a self-protection. And um, as a leader, it's not always about being a strong woman or a strong man. It's about connecting with the feminine. You know, if you are um, a woman, it's, it's about connecting with the even feminine when you are a man, you know, to, you know, you're, you're the child inside you. There's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't. We all human at the end. We all have roles to play, but we all human. And, um, and that's what makes a, a good leader being a good human. And to be good human, you need to be connected with your feelings, understand why emotions arise, uh, what's causing, you know, a manifestation of those um, emotional states. So very often rooted in conditioning, how we were brought up, how we were educated, and the sort of battles we had to fight. Any thoughts on that um, as young adults? You know? I mean, I was just wondering... Again, a lot of assumptions go into emotions are roadblocks. I mean, that's a common assumption. It's like, you know, you have the emotions at home in a, in a serious place. Um, but the fact is, we bring the emotions with us. We are those emotions. And we need to learn how to live with them. Of course, with, you know, respect for, for the others. But... Um, the assumption that we leave our worries and our emotions at home and, you know, half of the day we are, you know, blocking them and then we come back. The fact is they creep on you throughout the day, right? So they keep popping up. So it's how we go about uh, uh, expressing and communicating um, and being able to actually use in your favor and the ones are that are with you. Um, it's really challenging the emotional side of we are so embarrassed sometimes of our emotions and how to bring ourselves hiding them so, you know, so nicely. And then they just one trigger, one small trigger and off they go. And how do you, what do you do in that moment? Um, and the reason I'm asking, it's quite timely. I just had lunch with a, with a good friend of mine and I, noted to him how acutely aware I've become of feeling tired and what a slippery slope that can be to me and I've, how I've learned to manage it. In those moments, you know, low energy moments, I should say, what do you do specifically? What's your advice? I mean, I would say, like, first listen to your body. Sometimes... Um, it's not necessary that we are always in joy, right? And and I think as society, we are so also putting pressure on ourselves, like, oh. But um, one of the things I start to do more now recently is also giving that space for those moments where actually I I don't have to do anything, even just looking for something joyful, 
just taking that time, but then particularly on the inspiration, is looking for new avenues. You know, things that I've never tried before, and really I can be terrible at them. I just want to to experiment them on my own, being, you know, tango dancing or, you know, watercolor or whatever it is. But something where I was actually reading about where you don't judge that you, you actually go about it um, for the fun of it. And it's really almost like you practicing, you know you're going to fail because you actually are not good at that, but you still um, try it out because the fun has to be there. So it, it takes mm. a bit the pressure. You need to take the steam out of, for example, coming from a situation where the things that used to give you joy are not giving you joy. So frustrating. It's like, this used to be such a passionate thing. And for whatever reason, the context exchange, you know, the my paddle par- partner is not the same. So it's not the same. So you need to find new avenues. You need to have that energy. But in order to have that energy, you need to stop first. There's a lot of wisdom in what you said. What would you tell yourself if you met yourself as a teenager today? Here's Katya. Here's Katya as a teenager. What would, what would your, your current self tell your teenager? I was a... a a book read. I was a very different person. Let me see. I would say um, just don't be afraid of failure. I think this is something that I learned the long and hardest way is to embrace that failure is part of learning. And I think over the years, I met amazing people. And what was amazing about them and that they were embracing their you know their 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 vulnerabilities their their mistakes and they did it with such a dignity it's such a you you can't fail uh, if you don't try and if you don't try you're not going to learn and if you don't learn you just stagnate yeah i love the spirit of experimentation yeah. right? you know and just being you know being free, you know being open to it being you know open to to bring to the awareness, you know, whatever whatever happens, and then just experiment with it. Yeah. In closing, what's the one thing you would like to do differently that uh, can bring you even more joy, or perhaps help you pivot from a uh, from joy with the lowercase J, the everyday joy, to something more aspirational? Jay, what's the one thing you'd like to do differently to bring you more joy? I think would be more even expand my comfort zone, stretch that comfort zone that you get. Hold on. You think you are experimenting, but it's still in your comfort zone. Um, it's, it's stretching. It's stretching without the panic. You know, I was shown this, you know, the bubble of your comfort zone, the stretching. But if you jump right back, it can also be a panic. So, how do I find that balance of stretching my comfort zone, but without the panic? That That's the fine-tuning I'm doing right now. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure, you this, Marty. Uh, truly um, inspiring conversation, and, um, and I'm sure we'll be continuing uh, many, many more. 
times um, discussions like this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.